Welcome, fans of the Justice League universe. My name is Sam. My name is Sydney. And we are two members of the JLU podcast team who enjoy analyzing the DC films released by Warner Brothers Studios. Other contributors to this analysis are Alessandro Maniscalco and Rebecca Johnson. You can find us all on Twitter, and you can follow the show at JLU Podcast. In this episode, we're going to discuss scene 35 of Wonder Woman, directed by Patty Jenkins. This is the scene where Diana and Steve share a dance together and then retire for the night. Mm. <laughs> so um, we, we call this one amongst our team, we call it the magical night scene. That's lovely. First of all, let's start with the overall kind of <laughs> overall picture of the scene, what it contributes to the movie as a whole, or like the kind of the bigger ideas to take from it. I mean, one of the things is just very functional in terms of pacing. We had the intensity of No Man's Land. We had the action of saving Veld. Then we had the kind of euphoria of having saved Veld. And now we get the sort of like, all right, let's kind of relax. Let's take it down a little bit, catch our breath. Um, and then we start to head into the next, you know, big set piece, which will be the gala. So it's, you know, it's a little bit of just pacing, which I think this movie had very effective pacing from start to finish. Yeah, it's 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 good to have some calm moments like this, and um, we really get to see like the, the charm of these characters. So, you know, <laughs> we know that they're all a bunch of badasses, but um, this is we get to see some other parts of their personality as well. Yeah, and the chemistry between them, you know, like so we saw it on the mascara, and then the boat ride in London for sure, and now, you know, we haven't seen them having that kind of chemistry because they've been dealing with the trenches and the action and stuff. So now we get to go back to that personal chemistry. And that really goes to what this scene contributes in a big way, which is it contributes a part of the love story. Um, you know, this is an important moment in the love story, obviously. But that love story has been building from the start. And we've mentioned it a lot in our analysis about how the characters, they have reasons to connect with one another. They're learning things about each other. Um, they're getting inspired by one another. They're pushing each other. So it's really been building up, and then this is an important moment in that love story. But it's also just, you know, Wonder Woman is a superhero film that made a love story a central part of the film. Mm -hmm. And some superhero films don't really have a love story at all, and that's fine. Some of them kind of try to throw in a love story, but they don't really develop it in a very nuanced way or a very full way. Right. Um, some superhero films or like sequels will just like totally throw away a love story that had been developing, and then it's just like, <laughs> oh. In one line, they're like, well, that's done. You know, forget about the love story part. Not naming that's names. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened in actually more than one, you know, superhero movie. Yeah. But here, Patty Jenkins said from the start, you know, this is going to have a love story in it. And it's still a superhero movie and it doesn't take away from the action to the fact that you also have some romance happening. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's not just a subplot. I, I think most of the time in superhero films or, you know, really kind of action movies in general. Yeah, the... The romance subplot is just, it, it almost seems like something they add in just because they feel like they, they have to. You know, mm -hmm. the, the hero's got a girlfriend or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not that important, but it's mm -hmm. just so you can have a kiss scene or a sex scene or something arbitrarily. Mm -hmm. But here, yeah, it's, it's a major part of it. I, I think that um, Patty Jenkins mentioned that Casablanca was a major inspiration, you know, how it's... Mm -hmm. It, there's a heavy po focus on the plot, but there's also a heavy focus on the, the relationships. Yeah. So uh, let's go through the scene a bit in detail, and we'll see how that um, love story kind of builds here and what the kind of important connections are that happen. So we start with a wide shot. Um, we can tell it's nighttime now. They're still celebrating, you know, the, the town being, um, you know, saved. 
we have Diane and Steve sitting together on like a fountain in the middle of town and Samir is coming up and bringing them some drinks. And it's funny because he brings back their kind of like linguistic wordplay mm-hmm. where he kind of has a, a French interaction with Diana. So that's kind of a fun little callback. Um, it's showing that they have this rapport um, between Diane and Samir as well. And then mm-hmm. later it'll be Diane and Steve. But here we get a little bit of that banter between uh, Samir and Diana too. Yeah, it's a cute callback. And he leaves this leaves with this little, et voila, which I kind of noticed seems to be his catchphrase. <laughs> he says it a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, you know, they're going to raise a glass and like clink glasses. And uh, Diana might not really know this tradition. You know, they might not clink glasses in the same kind of way on uh, Themyscira. So it's we're also getting back to a little bit of that um, culture shock or Diana learning the ways of man's world and stuff like that. And we'll have that more with the dancing, too. Mm-hmm. I don't think she drank that drink, did she? <laughs> I never saw her drink drink it. Um, yeah, I'll have to t- keep an eye out for that again. But yeah, it's fun to see Samir. Um, and this scene functionally is really going to be a scene for Steve and Diana. But they find a way to get a little Samir in here, and then they'll find a way to get a little bit of Charlie in here as well to keep the full group active somewhat. But really, it's going to end up being Steve and Diana. Mm. Oh, oh my gosh. You won't believe this. I just noticed this because I had the video playing right in front of me. I noticed Uh a tiny, tiny little filming error. Oh, really? (laughs) She she sets her glass down twice. (laughs) There's a a, a wide shot from far away where Steve is talking to her. She sets the glass down. And then when he asks her to dance, in that scene, you can see she's holding the glass again. (laughs) She sets it down again. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I had never caught that. Yeah, those little continuity errors. Oh my gosh, Easy. yeah, it's continuity error. Those are just, <laughs> those don't bother me. I just think they're fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun to catch them. Yeah, no, the the drink thing with Diana just sort of reminded me of a, a tiny detail from Batman v Superman, uh-huh. which was this sort of a continuous thing where oh, yeah. lots of characters didn't drink things that were offered to them. I don't think it's really the same thematic context here. Yeah. But in, in, in BVS, it was because... I guess it was symbolic of them not not taking other people's blood or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think Man of Steel Answers covered that as like, mm-hmm. you know, if people are trying to lie and if you're eating it up, then you actually drink it. If you yeah. re- if you reject the lie and you see through it, then you like decline the drink. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I know Dan did that a few times in that movie. <laughs> I don't know if it's <laughs> the same context here. It's probably just a coincidence, but it's it makes me think of that. <laughs> yeah. And we, uh, I should mention, too, like at the start, you know, Steve is really all thinking about their next steps. Like, hey, we got a plan for this. You know, we, we really don't have time to celebrate. We got to get stuff ready for the next phase. And gradually he kind of relinquishes that and settles into the celebration a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting. Like to me, a lot of this scene is kind of like breaking through the protective barriers of Steve. So one way that he kind of like closes himself off is by staying very busy in his mission and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another way he protects himself or closes off is like by humor or kind of by being sarcastic sort of. Right. Um, but gradually those layers all come off. And so by the end of the scene, he's like more revealed and intimate with Diana. Right. And um, you know, it's, it's all Diana's doing. Um, you know, that the thing is, you know, she may not, understand this world uh, the way that Steve does, but she's a major influence on him with her optimism and, uh, you know, kind of shiny outlook on the world. Yeah. And speaking of all Diana's doing, so Steve says, you know, you did this, trying to really give her credit. Um, But Diana just kind of smiles at him and says, no, we did it, or we did. So I think that's a really charming part of her character, that she doesn't try to take credit. Mm -hmm. She shares credit. And to me, that's 
just a really nice trait for anybody to have is that they're very generous with giving credit to others. So I'm a man, but I mm-hmm. feel like sometimes women, generally speaking, are a little bit better at sharing credit. And sometimes men are like a little bit more likely to kind of take the credit themselves. And I know it's actually not just me because there have been psychological studies that when men have something go well, they're more likely to kind of ascribe themselves as the reason that it went well. And women are more likely to say like, well, there was a lot of, you know, there were a lot of things that went into that, you know, a lot of contributors or whatever. Yeah. So there actually is a little bit of a gender difference there in terms of like taking credit versus sharing credit. There is. And I think there would be some people who would argue that she should have just accepted the compliment because, yeah, I, I think in society, most of the time women are expected to, like, if you take too much credit for yourself, it's seen as bragging. Mm-hmm. It's not really seen the same way for men. Um, but obviously the way that Diana was raised that never occurs to her. They're, you know, they're much more egalitarian. They would definitely praise each other for their accomplishments and, you know, they, they share everything. Mm-hmm. So from, from her angle, that's just the natural thing to do. And, you know, men should do it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, they shift now towards the dancing and Steve, at, you know, you see the, the village people dancing in the background mm-hmm. and stuff. And so Steve says you have dancing on Paradise Island. I thought that was a nice way to also slip in the name Paradise Island, mm-hmm. where he's he's kind of just using it as a way to refer to like, yeah, that paradise where you came from. Yeah, um, it's a good reference, even though it's actually being yeah. sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way to do it. Um, and Diana says, you know, we do have dancing, but what these these people are just swaying. Uh, so it's kind of, she's kind of, you know, playfully teasing his culture versus her culture. Mm-hmm. And so this gets us back into, like I was saying, part of the the uh, chemistry between the two is this, you know, cultural differences. And I'm learning about your culture. You're learning about mine. We're kind of having a little bit of a, you know, competition, but it's like a friendly competition. Right. Uh, well, some, sometimes it's not so friendly, like men are doing horrible things. <laughs> but in other times like this, it's more like, the, oh, yeah, we have a word for this. Or, yes, we do dancing. You know, it's a little bit different, though. Yeah, but they're laughing about it here. It's it's not so much strange yeah, culture shock. Playful. It's they're very comfortable with each other now. Yeah, and then Steve is gonna also kind of make it playful, where he's like, "All right, I better you know show you how it's done." <laughs> so it it's it's the, that little banter. It's like well written. It's well acted. It's it makes it easy to kind of like these characters and like them together. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, they, when he asks her to dance, I kind of notice that there's there's a shot where they're still sitting on um, on the fountain and in the background you can very clearly see the the tank that Diana flipped earlier. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so it's it, it seems like it's very deliberately there and and Steve makes a big show about, you know, removing his gun and setting it down before he takes her hand. So it's it it kind of tells you that even though this is a very quiet and tender moment, there's still, you know, the, the horrors of war looming in the background. This is just a a temporary reprieve. Mm-hmm. Um, which is sad to think about, but it's it's definitely you know you're you're very aware that this is just um, a little bit of moment of rest before they have to get back to the dirty work again. Right. Yeah. You know, there's kind of this clock ticking down because you know they saved Veld, but they haven't made much more progress towards actually finding Ares and stopping the war, like that sort of thing. So, as an audience, this is making us smile and it's kind of nice, but we know. The danger is still there. The bigger threat has not been addressed yet, so they're obviously going to have to keep going into more danger and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It also does, you know, the, the scene serves a functional purpose um, in that it it kind of does show Diana and I guess Steve, you know, even he's realizing that there there are you know lovely things in this world, you know, magical things like when she sees the snow, things that kind of remind you that the war is worth fighting. Mm. 
Yeah, and I also like those moments, um, like when Diana sees the snow and she just genuinely is smiling and she says it's magical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steve actually says, oh, it is, isn't it? Like, so she's helping Steve to remember that there's beauty in the world and that there is something worth saving. Yeah. And so I like seeing his reaction to Diana. Um, I've mentioned that in other episodes, but it's a big one here uh, with that snow falling. Right. So he, she helps him see the, the, the magic and the mundane. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get to that, though, uh, I did want to mention with Charlie. So, you know, they they have their banter and they're, you know, saying, be polite. We're going to learn how to dance. And they have the nice thing where she says, you're awfully close. And he's like, that's the whole point or whatever. You know, so that kind of nice um, back and forth. But they hear Charlie singing. Um, and so this is, you know, part where we're pushing Charlie's little character development forward a little bit. So he didn't really come through with the sniper in the last scene. But now he's celebrating, we hear him singing, and so you're thinking, like, oh, like, maybe he would thrive more outside of the war, you know, than he is thriving, he's not thriving in the war. Mm-hmm. Um, but he sings this song, I Look Into Your Eyes and Hold Your Hand, and I thought that's kind of cute, because Diane and Steve have actually just, like, kind of embraced each other, and so Charlie's singing is almost like narrating what Steve and Diana are doing, so I thought that's kind of just cute. Exactly. And I mean, just like Steve here, you know, it's it's a moment where, you know, Charlie's being taken away from the horrors of war for a moment. And, you know, he, yeah, yeah. he's also reconnecting with, you know, the beautiful things in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Steve marks that by saying, you know, I haven't heard him sing in years. So, yeah, it is this kind of maybe starting to pull out of the horrors. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say that there's a little bit of an anachronism here uh, or error in the filmmaking because he's singing a song, if I'm not mistaken, it's called I'll Walk Beside You. Um, that's by Edward Lockton, um, who I thought would probably be Scottish or British or something, but he's actually an American songwriter. But this song, I'll Walk Beside You, was very popular in Britain, but that was in World War II. Ah. And this, <laughs> the song was actually written in 1939. So there's no way that Charlie was singing it, uh, you know, 20 years earlier, unless Charlie wrote it first and then Edward Lockton, like, plagiarized it from him or something. Okay, because my, my initial theory was that <laughs> Charlie is a time traveler. Oh, or that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, let me see. That I guess that qualifies as one of those things that's, like, uh, technically an error, but they probably just thought that the song <laughs> felt nice yeah, for the I, moment. <laughs> exactly. I think like the, they found that the song works so well. They're like, ah, just use it anyway. And like, who the heck's going to know? No one will know. <laughs> yeah. And to me, it's again, it doesn't actually take anything away from the scene. It's just like a silly little mistake if you want to be technical about it. Right. Like the setting the glass down twice. <laughs> 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 the stuff happens in filmmaking. Yeah. But the bigger thing is just really great to see, you know, we saw charlie getting beat up we saw him having his struggles uh you know at night with the ptsd and stuff we saw him having struggles in the battle Mm -hmm. but now we see him like hey look at charlie like isn't this nice to see him more at ease and doing something that he enjoys and then diana to her credit she notices it she picks up on it and she like helps charlie continue like with some really nice moments later where Mm. diana kind of right you know calls that music out from charlie yeah well it's it's one of those things where you know this is like they mentioned, it was a team effort, but in, in a way, this is a lot of Diana's influence. Like, a lot of this was possible because she made it happen. Yeah, yeah. So we get to uh, the snowfall, which we already started to mention. I really like Steve's reaction to Diana's innocence to it. But then Alessandro made a nice point where 
we're kind of thinking about naivete or inexperience or Mm -hmm. just inexperience in the sense of something in the world that I have not experienced before. And for Diana, it's this snowfall. She's like, wow, this is beautiful. It's magical. She's like seeing it for the first time. And then as they talk and she asks Steve about, you know, what do people do? Is this what they do when they're not fighting a war? Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, I'm not quite sure what they do. You know, maybe they get married, they go to work, they have children, they grow old. But then Steve says, like, I don't actually know. Like, he says, I have no idea about this stuff, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alessandro made the nice point that those are Steve's snowfalls. Like, he does not actually know what it's like to be married or have children or grow old with somebody. Uh, and if that were to happen, that would be, like, his first time ever seeing the beautiful snow, like, fall in front of him. Exactly. So. I mean, he's been he's been so cynical because he's grown up in a, a cynical world. And so this moment here with Diana is just as magical to him as I'm sure the snowfall is for her. Mm-hmm. And so um, we want to also break open that little exchange between Diane and Steve. So glossed over it kind of fast. But yeah, <laughs> she, she says, you know, is this what people do? This, all of this joy, right? The joy in, the, in this village and the music and the snowfall and smiles and dancing. Is this what people do when there are no wars to fight? And so this is also Diana like imagining if I can defeat Ares, I could bring this to the whole world, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I could defeat war. <laughs> she's kind of thinking like in that grandiose way. But then is this what people would do? So she's also trying to learn about man's world. So it's a really nice way to approach this, you know, interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and but then, like you said, Steve kind of responds. It, it turns out that he was responding sort of half seriously, but he's mostly telling it as a joke. Like, yeah. he kind of rolls his eyes a bit when he mentions breakfast and yeah. reading the paper and all of that. Yeah. So he's initially trying to deflect. In the end, when he says, you know, he doesn't know, it's like, well, there's another layer to that now. I mean, he was kind of joking, but he was also just kind of making it up. Yeah, he's <laughs> Like, he just... didn't know. He's trying to imagine what is, like, a storybook version of a happy ending. Exactly. Yep. He's using that humor and stuff to protect himself from really exposing something like inner, like something very personal Mm -hmm. about him. Exactly. But she kind of probes further and she says, you know, like, what's it like? And that's when he has to reveal, like, I don't really know. So yeah, that whole thing has actually been, yeah, his, his like best guess at like what people might do, but he has been in this war. He has been, you know, kind of alone. He's got his friends and people that he has gone to battle with, but He's not had that personal connection of a family, growing old with somebody, you know, having children like that. Um, so, yeah, it's all just him imagining the, the fairy tale ending. Um, and also to bring up Man of Steel answers again, like uh, Doc talks about this whole movie as actually kind of like in the genre of a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for him, he's like, yep, yeah, I, I guess it's happily ever after is what happens after the war is done, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the sad thing, you know, spoiler alert. <laughs> He's never mm-hmm. really going to know, but I think this is the moment where he realizes the possibility yeah. um, of happy ending. And, you know, in the end, he realizes that it could still be true for Diana. You know, she could, he, he might have to sacrifice himself, but she can bring about this better world, mm-hmm. possibly someday. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned him dying at the end, and I, I think this was on purpose, like as a foreshadowing, because mm-hmm. the last thing he says is grow old. No. And then then he says, I have no idea. So, like, I think that was on purpose that they're, like, saying, yeah. we're going to, in retrospect, you'll realize that he's never going to get to grow old. Mm-hmm. It's just a fairy tale. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's it's really well acted. It's it's good writing. I really really enjoy that, and I like the layers of the two people connecting. Right, like they're not only dancing together, which like on the surface, like oh they're dancing together, so that's bringing them closer. It's like yeah they're dancing together, but really they're starting to open up, and especially here Steve, who has not opened up very much yet, he is now really kind of opening up about his loneliness and maybe some of the dreams that he has, but he's not sure how they're really going to happen. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's just a really good way to push that relationship forward. And uh, one of our listeners, Wayne Buck, who listens on YouTube and comments with us, sometimes we enjoy interacting with him, with him especially about Wonder Woman. Um, he especially said he liked the acting, like the way that the that Gal Gadot and Chris Pine performed this scene. And mm-hmm. just they the, have such great chemistry. Exactly. And the even just on their face and their body language, like when they avert their eyes versus when they kind of like look at each other. Um, it's really well acted. And Wayne brings up those points really well. Um, and he also noticed like we did where Steve is kind of dodging the question at first, but then he does kind of open up a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. So, and, and uh, Wayne um, also connected it back to the boat conversation because Steve says, I have no idea what all that stuff is like. And that's the same thing that he said earlier about like, why do people get married if they don't stay together? And Steve's also like, I have no idea why they get married. Mm-hmm. So there's a nice little echo there in the yeah. Dia- dialogue. Yeah. He was just sort of flippant about it, but, <laughs> but, they, they, but it's really emotionally landing this time around. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anything else about this, this kind of a uh, dialogue that they have while they're dancing? I think that was kind of my main thoughts on it. Yeah, that yeah, that was about it. The, the whole thing is just very sweet, and, and I always enjoy it. <laughs> it's very, very loving and honest. Yeah, and to me, it's why I think, for me, the, the next part works really well, the fact mm-hmm. that they're going to spend the night together. I think it works really well because they've not only gone through danger together and they've kind of like worked as partners in a very stressful situation – but they've also kind of opened up with each other a little bit. They've had their chemistry, but they've also had a little bit more intimacy just in getting to know each other, and especially Diana getting to see a little bit of of Steve's inner soul, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm really glad that they did that development before the night together, because then to me it makes, it, you know, it makes a lot more sense that they would do that um, right. at, at the end it's of the a- night. Especially because by the time of this scene, it's a connection that has literally been forged in battle. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think everybody in this scene, like all these village people, uh, like I said, they're, they're dancing in front of that, that tank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this is the, the courtyard where just earlier this same day, I think, you know, people were shooting at them. This whole battle was going on. You know, it, it was, I'm sure, terrifying and chaotic. And all these people here are, you know, they're dancing. <laughs> they're they're trying to to hold on to these these moments while they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm sure that leads to the you know the the not not so much urgency, but it they you're right they've already formed this connection. So you know wanting to spend the night together, it feels like yeah we should seize this opportunity while we can, mm-hmm. which is very sweet. <laughs> I I totally agree. Um, to transition up to the bedroom. Um, Patty Jenkins goes back to a wide shot so we can see the snowflakes, um, which I think is just a really nice way to use the snowflakes, which have now been infused with meaning mm-hmm. uh, because of the way they were talking about them. Right. And I really connect the snowflakes with the idea of magical. So that's why we call this the magical night scene. But then we cut to, you know, Steve coming into the room and like kind of like letting Diana know like, okay, here's your room that you can stay in. But I don't think there's any dialogue here, right? Like it's all just 
looks and then it's it's just them kind of getting a read of each other um steve mm-hmm. is about to leave but then diana looks at him and her look seems to kind of communicate the sort of you could stay if you wanted and yeah, steve it's come hither. The yeah <laughs> um so you know she doesn't explicitly say here but she could stop him at any moment so like for me i have kind of you know in the in the era of me too movement and stuff you know you want to get explicit consent before you would do anything like this but to me she gives consent and she could have stopped him at any time if she ever wanted to Mm -hmm. so i think you know the consent to me is pretty clear in this moment and really she's almost in the leadership role um in terms of kind of making it happen even though steve is the one that closes the door and comes over it seems to me pretty clear that she was basically gave him the first signal that she wanted this to happen. Oh, indeed. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's no actual dialogue here because, you know, it's just the music and the, the warm colors. Um, so, you know, it's, it's sort of artsy mm-hmm. um, and, and any dialogue would just be somewhat frivolous here. Yep. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you want to follow general guidelines in real life and, you know, be as explicit as you can uh, but for the sake of this scene it's clear what everybody wants and mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's, it's like you said uh, diana was actually the one who makes the first move here steve was going to leave he was going to be mm-hmm. a perfect gentleman <laughs> and this scene even just like the one that preceded it and i guess like the entire movie it's the return of those those very um you know warm colors like you know even their mm-hmm. skin in the firelight seems like you know gold mm-hmm. and glowing and uh, it's just a uh, I don't know the the feel of it, and I I know I've said this in, in all my previous appearances, but it's it's very much like a painting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's it's got that that feel of early you know late eighteen hundreds early nineteen hundreds work of art you might see in a museum mm-hmm. with the way the colors are balanced. Yeah, and I agree. It's very artfully done, tastefully done. The fact that there's a lot of shadow and darkness it, it makes that the firelight glow look really pretty. But also, I, to me, it's very um, tasteful, private kind of way to set this scene mm-hmm. by having a lot of the shadow, right? Like, so that we were kind of giving them their privacy of having this together. And, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of, they, you know, put their hand on each other's face and then they start to kiss. And then pretty quickly we cut to outside because we're just like, all right, we're going to give them their space. And to me, it's like a very elegant way that Patty Jenkins approached this love scene. Right. It's like a it's a, more of a commitment to the romance story rather than like we said in a lot of action movies, there's like a romance subplot that's usually just kind of stuck in there mm-hmm. so that they can have something explicit, like a sex scene or something, you know, mm-hmm. like that's supposed to be a major draw. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, yeah, they decided we're, we're just going to be really tasteful. The emotion of the moment is important, but we don't actually have to see anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And then yeah, cuts to uh some more snowfall that magical snowfall (laughs) yeah i thought that was a really nice way to end it like the just the Mm -hmm. one the one light is on so we know it draws our eye there but then it has the snowfall in the foreground you know kind of coming down so it's a magical night together um and rather than having them disrobe or something like that trying to show some more skin or whatever they let the music just emphasize the emotion and again i think gregson williams did a nice job because he he uh, wrote this kind of love theme between diane and steve mm-hmm. the da, 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 and he um has that swell here and to me it's just really effective so um yeah I, I would rather have a very tastefully shot moment of the emotion and then the music enhancing the emotion i would rather have that it works to me so much better than trying to make it like more sultry or something like that Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would be kind of uh, cheesy, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but oh gosh, I'm, I'm thinking of the, you know, that beautiful shot immediately before this, like the, the very last shot of them dancing um, in front of the cafe. And um, mm-hmm. once again, when, when you look at it, it's this wide shot. You can see them dancing on the, on the ground there mm-hmm. and you can see the snow falling, but there's still that tank <laughs> to the left of the screen very <laughs> deliberately in the shot. And I'm just, it just kind of reminds you mm. that this is all temporary. Um, they're going to have to get back to the fighting soon. And, you know, it, it's heartbreaking after you've seen the movie once and you know what's happened, what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, that just adds another emotion to it. Like, it's already very emotional, emotionally rich. But then if you, upon repeat viewing, it's like, oh, it's even more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that will do it for our, our analysis of scene 35, um, a very beautiful scene in, in more ways than one. Um, but we will continue forward with some Wonder Woman analysis later. And if you need some DCEU content in the meantime, there's always the Suicide Squadcast and Man of Steel Answers.